and welcome to the Patterpod, the podcast that brings you me, 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 me. Each week, I talk to a guest about seven tracks that mean something to them at this point in time. Alongside each episode, we have the Spotify Patterpod playlist, where you can listen to all of the tracks selected by my guest. You can find the link to the playlist from my website, alexpatterson.co.uk. This week, my guest is Joe Frearson-Smith, who is currently chair of the Radcliffe Ladies' Choir. I think we're recording. That's exciting. Cool. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Just control your excitement, Joe. It's fine. So we know each other through the Radcliffe Ladies' Choir. When did you join the choir? A couple of months after you started. Okay, so that would be 2010? Yeah, so you started in May. Yeah. And I started in the September. Okay. And then that was it. That was it, yeah. Been there ever since. Through <laughs> <laughs> good times and bad. <laughs> oh, the things that we could say. I know. <laughs> when did you become chair? Uh, five years ago. Can you oh, believe? Oh, wow, really? I know. Oh, my goodness me. Yeah. I've been, re- I've been re-voted in twice now. <laughs> well that's a good sign that's good for you know confidence and all yeah that. what is it about what is it about the choir and singing in that sort of group that makes you turn up each week well I've always loved singing I've been in choirs and things since I was quite young and we've always done singing as a family my mum and dad were in old time music hall okay. and they, they started doing that when I was 11 yeah so basically, you know, even before that though, but prior to that, my dad was a, um, in an operatic society and he used to do like Gilbert and Sullivan and <clears throat> I remember him practicing at Pirates of Penzance, etc. Yeah. And so, you know, it was just not expected necessarily, but it was just music was everywhere in the house and yeah. both okay. me and my sisters played instruments. It was just everything. You know, my mum played the piano. It was just music was just in our family and not just choral music or anything like that, but just loads and loads of different sorts of music. Um, And my mum had the radio on quite a lot. And my uncle was in the Navy. Oh, really? So, yeah, so my mum was quite key. And and in those days when you were in the Navy, you were away for a long, long time. Yeah. So my uncle was away for two and a half years in... Australasia, round Australia, Hong Kong, in yeah. the Far East and stuff. So she um, used to listen to a program that was on on a Sunday called um, BFPO. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it was it was a, a program for service people. Okay. Where you could, I think that they were like on the World Service or something, and um, so you could send like your messages to people who were away with the army or or any of the forces and they'd like send letters and messages to that radio show as well yeah so we always had that on at the weekends and so it was it was just that really and then over time obviously things take over don't they like i was at uni and yeah yeah Yeah. and then um and then i was in the police and you know it wasn't really conducive to doing very much musically and then had the kids and stuff, but I really like hankered after singing again, 
I think I saw it advertised in like, you know, the local paper and stuff. And I just thought, well, no, this is it now. I really want to get back into it. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your working life. What do you do? I'm a midwife by profession. Okay. I've had quite a lot of jobs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> loads of jobs. Um, but I think that, you know, a lot of the jobs that I've done, I'm a great believer in um, it's all to do with fate and, you know, you're here for a reason and things. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the jobs that I've done have pointed me and given me um, experience into the direction that I, that I work in now. Can you tell us a bit about your musical tastes? What are you into? What floats your boat? Well, uh, I would say that predominantly I like, I like rock, heavy rock mostly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that I've got a, quite an eclectic taste of music. Okay. Um, as I say, I've been, you know, I was brought up with music in my family. Mm. Um, and we were expected to listen to whatever was, was on. Yeah. at that time so obviously you know being the age that I am the we didn't all have televisions in our own bedrooms or even radios or even record players or whatever in our own rooms. so it was a very much a family event yeah. listening to music and obviously you had to listen to what what your parents wanted to listen to a lot of the time mm. yeah so I think that you know as I said before my parents are in were in old time musical when I was young and that definitely brought broadened my horizons musically yeah um because you know they were learning words to real old time stuff you know um and like second world war stuff um you know they used to do like an army like a gang show thing where they sang all like the army songs and the World War Two songs and Berlin and all of that. And, yeah. and, you know, musicals. And I was taken to musicals when I was younger. Uh, you know, show different shows. I've, I was taken to see lots of different shows. You know, our, our families takes religion quite seriously as well. So my dad's a lay reader in the Church of England. Okay. And my, my grandparents were members of the church and my mum was a staunch church goer. And so, you know, things like hymns and choral music, you know, I was subjected to a whole raft of musical experiences when I was young. Yeah. Um, and so, although, you know, I do like my, my rock, I, uh, <laughs> I, I also like to listen to a lot of other stuff. Um, <laughs> I give it to him now and again. Do you have a favourite hymn? I don't. I don't think I do. No, I just I like rousing stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, uh, guide me, oh my, um, thy great redeemer, probably is one of my favourites. Sims I learned to play on the organ mostly I think because <laughs> I think my mum was like oh, that's a good rousing one that'll get them going yeah, yeah. okay mum <laughs> those, those Welsh ones are uh, got a lot to answer for I think <laughs> yeah yeah and the Wesleyan stuff because my, yeah. my 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 dad's mum was um, from the northeast and 
they had a lot uh, Wesleyan chapels up there, oh, okay. um, which we went to. And I mean, their 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 services are very much like Baptist. Yeah. So it's a lot of singing, a lot yeah. of you know Wesleyan hymns and you know sort of real rousing stuff and mm. Salvation Army things. I mean, my uh, none of my family are in the Salvation Army, but they had quite again my grandma's side of the family, my dad's side of the family. You know, there was quite a, a mix between the between the Wesleyan chapels and like the Salvation Army. Yeah. So it was there was quite, you know all of those type of things, um, and I was also taken to um, like the marches, the marching bands and stuff, which is quite. Um, quite well known in the northeast as well so yeah. you know mar- you know the marching bands where they do all the um throwing the sticks up in the air and catching them and all the rest of it and you know, oh, I know with the big, I know all well. the yeah all the banners and everything going through the streets and stuff so you okay. know all of that sort of thing so i was really sort of immersed in all sorts of of music and I, I always say to people well you know when people say to me what sort of music do you like i would say i like most things but i'm not that keen on folk <laughs> <laughs> i'm not oh, a massive okay. folk music person okay some of you know some of it i mean like again when we we're in belfast and you know like that irish type of thing I, you yeah. know I, I like i like that but i i wouldn't want to like listen to it That's it. I think there's a lot of music out there where it's quite functional. Going into a pub and hearing Irish traditional folk music being played and everyone's drinking Guinness and the whole thing is a massive stereotype. But just having a really great time and I, I really loved that and was like, yeah, I could, I could listen to this, there's a bit of a groove and I could have a bit of a dance and things like that. I thought, yeah, this is great. But I'm not going to go home and stick on a CD of Irish traditional folk music. It, for me, it's <laughs> got to have its place in a... Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I, I like to... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, j- jigging around in the bars of Belfast was one thing, but I certainly wouldn't want, you know, want to be listening to it in my own house. <laughs> <laughs> jigging around <laughs> on your it's, own it's not, in the kitchen. It's not yeah. the same though, is it? You know, and I think that, yeah, there's a time and a place for most things, but I... Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily um, want to listen to that in my own time, in my own house sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's completely fair. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's delve in. Tell us about your first track. Okay, so uh, this is It's My Life by Dr. Alba. This is a bit of a dancey number. Um, just from the, just pause from the 90s. Whilst I, um, whilst I imagine you dancing <laughs> with my little glow sticks and stuff. <laughs> yeah, got it, got it. Continue. <laughs> um, I mean, I wasn't. It's a bit. I mean, I wasn't into the like house, you know, raves and stuff really because. Um, <laughs> really, okay. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. no, to because to be honest, because it was in the nineties, and but like I'd not long been married. And like I had both of my children in the nineties, yeah. So I wasn't really into the scene as such, yeah. but I think that you know that sort of dance beat is really sort of uplifting. And uh, this track, though, the reason why I've, why I've chosen it is because 
I liked it when it first came out, but I think it's one of the songs that I really, to me, epitomises my choice of lifestyle. Okay. And that, um, you know, one of the lines is, it's my life, take it or leave it. (laughs) And it's really like one of those things as in, my mum was quite strict. Yeah. Well, very strict. And we spent a long time fighting about what I wanted to do with my life and what she thought I should do with it. Okay. Right up even to, well, before she died, you know, and I was 53. But, you know, she she had a certain ways of what she thought I should be doing. And she didn't like the fact that I trained to be a midwife either, um, strangely, because she didn't really like medical things. She didn't really like doctors. She didn't really like hospitals. And she was a teacher and my other two sisters are trained as teachers. So um, it was very much like, you know, why are you doing this? Um, and, and I chose to go back to work as soon as I'd had my children. And she didn't like that either. Yeah. So I think that this track's a lot, got a lot of things embedded in it for me. Like the words are really like the words um and you know the way the song's put together and i think it's got that like back backbeat of you know it's a bit sort of like well i do what i want and mm. not that i'm particularly wild but i just well know. joe you could have told me <laughs> <laughs> It's my life, take it or leave it, set me free What's that crap, I've got no it all I got my own life, you got your own life Live your own life and set me free Mind your business and live my business You know everything, Papa know it all Very little knowledge is dangerous Stop bugging me, stop bothering me Stop bugging me, stop fussing me Stop fighting me, stop yelling me It's my life It's my life Do you find that it's the lyrics that get you hooked onto a song? I think it's, there's two, well, sounds a bit silly really, doesn't it? Because I'm sure that it's the same for a lot of people, but it just all depends what what the track is Mm. or what what it is. Because there are times when I think about the words, but I think with with this song, I don't think I really knew what the words were fully until I'd listened to it a few times. Yeah. But I already liked it. But it's like the it's like the backbeat of it that I really like about this song to start off with. Okay. But then when you think about the words, you know, it really means something as well. So yeah. I think it's got to have both really. Yeah. 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 I found that um I was running the other day and I was listening to an S Club Seven song, Bring It All Back, which is one of the first S Club Seven songs that I had probably listened to ever in my life. And I was running, and that was the first time that I properly listened to the lyrics. It resonated with something that someone had said to me um, about focusing on yourself and what you want to do. And and I thought, here I am, and <laughs> this is the first time in a very long time that I've actually listened to the, the words of this song. Let the world see what you have got Bring it all back 
tell us about your next track. Okay, so um, this is one of the tracks that I've chosen because I love the group. So my favourite yeah. group is Queen. And of course, I love all of the well-known hits. But this song, Spread Your Wings and Fly Away, is another one which really the words mean a lot to me. One of the lines in the song was, uh, Sammy was low just watching the show over and over again. Mm. Um, thought it was time he made up his mind to leave this dead life behind. Okay. Um, and it's like, it's just a song about somebody who wanted more out of his life or out of their life than what they got. Yeah. And I think that if you've got the opportunity to do that, then you should try and do it and take every opportunity that you can. When I was at uni university, I wanted to be in the police and I, that's all I ever really wanted to do. But when I was actually in the police, I, I just found it so demoralising as a person. I just couldn't, I just couldn't get on with it. Probably watched too much Cagney and Lacey. <laughs> um, you know, I expected it to be a bit more um, exciting, but... Um... I mean, it was the 80s and it was uh, normal police officers was just only just coming in. Yeah. So it was quite difficult to make a break, really, as a, as a woman in the police at that time. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure that it's much, much better now because obviously there's equal opportunities and all the rest of it. They wouldn't be allowed to be like they were, but I found it particularly difficult just dealing with the the hierarchical situations and the way that they treated women was quite difficult. Mm. You know, institutionalised sexism is um, is quite bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> you don't realise until you're in it what's actually going on, you know. It's a bit weird, really. But yeah. um, as I say, I'm sure, I mean, obviously my ex-husband was in the police for a lot longer. He's only just retired. Um, and I know, you know, they've done so much. Um, and women are, you know, chief constables and all sorts of things um, nowadays. And you don't even think twice about it. But in the 80s, it was totally different kettle of fish altogether. Sammy was low, just watching the show. One of my friends was in West Mids, who I did my training with, because we, as a, we used to, the, the training school took a number of forces together, like regional forces. Mm. And she was in West Mids, but I, I wasn't. I was in Staffordshire, which was a, which I would consider to be quite a backward force, anyway, really. Yeah. Um, but because 
obviously they were trying to promote ethnic minorities um, joining as well and there was a lot of work around trying to get black police officers and so along with that was also the with the fact that they were trying to get the ethnic groups involved as well along then came um, more equal opportunities for women so they were quite streets ahead of Staffordshire and obviously it's a much bigger force as well and um, my my friend I mean she was the same age as me and everything we joined at the same time and the stuff that she she did when she was in the police you know it was amazing she was she was uh, promoted to be sergeant she'd been in vice she'd done you know murder squad she'd done everything so I think I don't think it was just about that I think it was the political will really to to get it off the ground yeah i mean i'm not going to say that she didn't have problems i'm sure she did experience some issues but you know she was at least um got those opportunities on her own merit as well mm, so that is that tangent came from queen uh <laughs> <laughs> great uh i didn't yeah i didn't know the song uh so it's quite nice to discover a new queen song that isn't you know one of the um sort of more famous ones Uh, yeah well the the early the earliest albums are really worth listening to okay thanks for the recs yeah i shall get on to that i think you've got some nickelback for your next track yeah so nickelback again one of my absolute favorite groups I saw Queen five times and I've seen Nickelback. Five times? Yeah, and I've seen, Golly. yeah. Yeah, well, I'm quite old, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, went, I went to see Queen when, when I was 13. That's the first time I went to see them. Gosh. Uh, yeah, the NEC. Nice. Yeah, my parents drove my, myself and my friend to the NEC when it first opened. Yeah. And it was before it was any like stadium or seating or anything. You were just basically standing in one of those massive halls with the big stage in the middle. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was great. So yeah, so Nickelback. So I've seen them four times. Um, and they're such a fantastic group. Yeah. I absolutely love them. They're Canadian and they're really, well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> um, they're, a lot of their stuff is quite heavy rock stuff (laughs) but they do do a fair number of milder softer tracks um, (laughs) and quite a lot of and i find them quite like the words of their songs a lot of it i mean there's a lot of sexual content because there is in in quite a lot of rock stuff Mm -hmm. but there's quite a lot of political stuff in their songs as well okay and not like pol- politics, political, but um, they've got a couple of songs about, I think, what they're, they're brothers or cousins or something in the group. And I think that they come from a family of domestic violence. Right. So a lot of their songs are about alcohol, drug misuse, violence against women and stuff, and highlighting those things rather than yeah. being let's say you know like rappers where they're just like going yeah this is great um they're actually you know a lot of their stuff's about how awful it is and how it affects you growing up yeah and so uh, you know their music's really interesting yeah i find because you know a lot of it's like thrash a lot of it's 
as I say, quite sexual in parts. And mm-hmm. everybody must, you know, people think, oh, yeah, you know, it's just the same old whatever. Um, but actually, um, I, you know, I think that they really think a lot about what they're actually saying in a lot of yeah. their songs. Um, and this is my all-time favourite track by them, um, If Today Was Your Last Day. And um, that's, I know it sounds a bit morbid, but I've got this down to have it at my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> yeah um because again it's all about the words you know it's like if if today was your last day you know what would you do would you go would you contact all your friends would you try and speak to everybody that you knew Mm. you know would you wish that you'd done something different with your life Um, and you know it's that sort of thing yeah and it's just a really really good song as well and the words are absolutely fantastic all of the words are fantastic to this song yeah. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that my grandma always said to me, you know, just like make sure that you live your life. Don't don't waste it. Don't waste it. Just doing nothing. Always. You, you don't. And she was a great believer in, you know, you just got your three score years and 10 and then and that was it. But she did live to be 94. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she just she just was a great believer in, you know, you've got to do what you can. Why? Why are you still here? There's, 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 there isn't another. You don't get another chance to do mm. things and try and do as much as you can and do as much as you can for the people and stuff. Yeah. And I think, I've, you know, I don't always live by that, but I try to. Yeah. So I think that that's like one of my all-time sort of all-round tracks that I listen to and like to think that I try to live like that yeah um and just to stick on the morbid theme if (laughs) if today was your last day what would you like to do I think that the words of the song are basically like you know would you contact friends you've never you haven't seen and stuff Mm. and I think you know that's what you would do yeah that you would try and speak to people and I don't know. I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I've got two kids, so I probably would be like, "Well, you know, you need to remember that the the will's in the cupboard, and the you know, <laughs> the, the the money's under the mattress." You know what I mean? Like you try and impart all your information, wouldn't you? On that's all very practical information as well. I like yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. And remember I to put that's... the bins out on Thursday. Yeah, but I think that I think I don't know if it's because I deal with with bereavement a lot, but I. I think that, you know, one of the things that we find working in bereavement is that people really want to know about practical things. Yeah. You know, what am I supposed to do? Well, what, you know, what am I supposed to do about the will? What am I supposed to do about getting a death certificate? What am I supposed to do about... And, you know, you have, you have to, along with the grieving, you also have to deal with the practical side. Yeah. No, it is interesting what you say, because I, when I've got uh, an unknown caller on my phone it's usually an undertaker or a family who have been bereaved and are calling to talk about the funeral. It's either that or the mother of a bride who's getting married. And I much prefer to talk to uh, those who are bereaved. Um, (laughs) But they, because you feel, well, you feel as if you're, um, you can actually help because some people, well, I think the majority of people are, um, uh don't really know 
what to do when it comes to a funeral and putting a funeral service together and they're, they're just so happy to have your input and uh, want to know what your advice is for music and the service and things. For me, it's not a big job. It's not a complicated thing or anything, but you do actually feel as if you're making a difference to these people and trying to make what is quite a difficult point in their life slightly easier. I mean, doesn't compare to what you guys do in the QMC, but no, but I think it's, there's a I think there's a lot of similarities. I I mean, people say to me, "Oh God, you know, don't you find it morbid that?" oh, it must be awful, you know, dealing with that all the time and stuff. And, and, and I just think, you know, I don't, and it's not very often that I feel morbid about anything. I just, yeah. I, I just feel like, you know, we're just doing what we can to help people and people are quite grateful for what we do and, you know, and trying to, and this is where obviously my level of professionalism comes in as well, is that I, being the manager, it's important to me that I provide a professional service and that, you know, we, that we deal with people efficiently and professionally Mm. and we don't really have, I mean, we're not the right people to come to, to for like counseling and stuff because we don't have the time, but we can signpost people to that. But our job is to deal with things as efficiently as we can. So as people can organize funerals and, and things like that and I think that you know you do get quite a lot of satisfaction from that being able to support people in that and I think the thing is is that if you don't have a level of professional satisfaction in your job you can't do it properly yeah you're exactly right yesterday was your last day and tomorrow was too late could you say goodbye yesterday would you live each moment Tell us about your next track. Okay, so this is something completely different. Wait! (laughs) This this is uh, She's So Sanctuary by The Cult. And this is just, well, this is for you, really, Alex. Oh, really? (laughs) Okay. As you know, I used to live in Manchester. I was a student, I went to Manchester University. Well, Metropolitan it is now, but it used to be the Poly when I was there. Yeah. And I absolutely loved living in Manchester. I just loved everything about it. I loved the scene. I loved the nightlife. I loved everything. And there was two clubs that I used to go to in Manchester. Uh, Jilly's, which was a rock club. Okay. And I think, it, I think it only closed in like 2003 or something. I read an article about it not so long ago. Yeah. And there was um, another place called The Ritz which was, it used to be a proper old dance hall and that's why it's called The Ritz. Yeah. And it had a sprung proper ballroom dance floor with all of the like proper seating around it, balconies with seating in the balconies and, you know, like proper, I would imagine probably like 1920s art deco type of design. Okay. Um, And they used to, have a well all sorts of things but they basically had an alternative night on a monday night yeah so everybody who was anybody went there on a monday um so it was the rock nightclub on 
Friday and Saturday nights at Jilly's. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, and then the alternative night on a Monday night, which is where they used to play all of the things like the Smiths, the Cult, uh, Jesus and Mary Chain. Um, you, well, all the alternative stuff. And you can imagine like 80s Manchester. So, you know, the Hacienda was up and running and the Smiths were really new and fresh and it was all like the music scene in Manchester obviously was massive at that time. Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite groups was, was the cult or still is really. And she sells sanctuaries got to be one of the best songs ever. <laughs> that is quite a statement, Joe. It is. Statement. <laughs> <laughs> this is all what you probably would call goths in this day and age, but I don't think that we really thought of ourselves as goths then. Yeah, you know it was all sort of, and I mean, I, you know, if you ever see any of the pictures of like the cult and stuff, or all the all the album covers or anything, you know, it's like all black leather coats and black hats, and you know, I just remember like my hair was really long, and I used I used to have it crimped because that was a big thing in the eighties, like crimped hair, and yeah, yeah, you know, I didn't dye it black, but it was you know lots of black eyeliner and crosses and stuff <laughs> mm. um, i can actually i can actually picture you um <laughs> like that um really quite really quite easily <laughs> i don't know how you feel about that about your next track the carpenters i don't know this song by the carpenters oh did you not well i don't know most of your list but you know oh. anyway <laughs> uh, yeah i used to get out more um i do well, okay so this is yesterday once more by the carpenters and again one of my favorite groups stroke singer karen carpenter's voice is just unbelievable yeah and you know, if I could aspire to sing like anybody, it would be her. I think she's probably more of an alto than me, but you know, just her voice is unbelievable. And you know, sometimes I like sing along with the carpenters. I just think, oh, for goodness sake, you know, absolutely no way you ever going to be able to sing like that. <laughs> but I try my hardest. Those type of voices to me have been an inspiration for my singing. Yeah. You know, I love that. Like. A melodic voice that she's got particularly and yeah. I mean obviously she was a tragic woman but you know in the 70s everybody thought that the carpenters were fantastic and that there were no problems etc I think it just it's one of those groups and it epitomizes like the 70s for me which obviously I was young and a young teenager in the 70s so a lot of 70s music I can identify with a lot listen to quite a lot of 70s stuff yeah and it's just one of those really nice tracks and also when you listen to it it's like the melody of it and the way things could like i like music that's got a lot of layers to it 
and I think a lot of it's like okay yeah so it's just her singing but it's not just her singing you know you've got these like little bits coming in you've got like on you know bits of like background singing in it and obviously Richard Carpenter who was a brother was um instrumental in the way that the songs were put together mm. I mean I believe that he played the drums but he was also um sort of like the driving force a lot of the time behind the production of the songs yeah and I think you know the when you listen to the production of them they're so good and you think well you know I, I think that this would stand up now in in this day and age probably not quite a few of the people off the <laughs> off the perch <laughs> in this day and age as well but you know that that sort of like the production of that music is absolutely fantastic well, yeah, I think quite a lot of people on the charts at the moment need to be knocked <laughs> off. I don't know how much you know about them, but she uh, there's a film about her because she she died of anorexia. Yeah. Um, but she had a, a very driven personality anyway. Obviously, probably that's why she had anorexia as well. But she used to be in like the studio recording tracks over and over and over again. Oh, really? Like, you know, Gosh. 50, 60, 70 times until it was right. She just never used to sleep and stuff and... Mm. Like drove everybody mad, just kept you know re-recording, re-recording, re-recording all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think it's just that like um, level of perfection. When I was young, I'd listen to the radio, waiting for my favorite songs. When they played, I'd sing along. It made me. Those were such happy times and not so long ago How I wondered where they'd gone But they're back again Just like a long lost friend All the songs I love so well Every sha-la-la-la Every woe still shine Let's have a look at your next track. Okay, so this is uh, Tunnel of Love by Dire Straits. Yeah. Now, Dire Straits, Mark Knopfler, who's the, the main man in, in Dire Straits, I just think his music, his writing, his um, description of life is just really interesting. It's quite a long track. Yeah. There's quite a lot of elements in this track for me. This is one of the reasons why I chose it because I was really umming and ahhing about whether to put it in. But I just okay. thought, no, I've, I've really got to because, um, well, first of all, these this group's from the northeast, and my I think I've mentioned already that my dad is originally from Durham. Yeah. And um, we spent a lot of our summer holidays at my grandma's house, um, who who lived in Canter Durham at the time. Um, because my parents didn't really have a lot of money. So we actually went on holiday to my grandma's house, yeah. which meant that we were quite near to the seaside. Yeah. And in this track, he mentions the, uh, the, the line is, a girl who looks so pretty to me like it always did, like the Spanish city to me when we were kids. And the Spanish city is like... Um, a, a big white building in in Sh uh, South Shields or Whitley Bay. 
I can't remember which one. Um, and it, it used to, it's had all sorts of guises, but it used to be like an arcade and um, this, that, and the other. I went there last year with my sister, and they've made it into quite a posh restaurant now, and it's all very glamorous and everything. Mm. It went through a bit of a bad time in the, in the sort of 90s, I think, where it was just sort of like going to rack and ruin. Yeah. But it was really quite a glamorous place to sort of go to when you're kids because it was like had arcades and stuff. And it mentions Whitley Bay and, you know, a few other, I think it's colour coats it also mentions in the track. And it's just really nicely, it's well written, it's really nice tunes, really nice sort of melody. And it, and it sort of, he, 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 he talks and sings, which is sort of, I don't know. He he can get away with it for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there are a lot of people who um, who really can't get away with that. Not going to name any names. No. Yeah, because it goes on for about what eight minutes, seven eight yeah. minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. quite on track. Um, yeah, but it's a but it's a story, isn't it? It's a story mm. about a person who works on a fun fair. Yeah. And about his about his life and. The fact that he's, you know, got any girl that he wants, but he doesn't like stick around. And I think it's quite a, um, a wistful type of song. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, this is my life, but also it's not, um, you always get left with that feeling of whether or not it's actually really what he wants. Yeah. You know, it sounds like it is because it's all very much like, yeah, you know, I, I go into the tunnel of love with these girls because he works on the fairground and, you know, or the come. You know, one of them comes back and gives him a peck on the cheek and a and a present and stuff. But yeah, it's just it's just I like I like music that that tells a story. Yeah. This is the sort of thing that you listen to, you know, when you're lying on your settee with a gin and tonic or whatever, you know. to your final track now joe um reveal to us your final track <laughs> oh god well i can't even say it <laughs> well it's, it's just so different to everything else that you put together it just yeah really well, is, it, is it miserere yeah um miserere by allegri so tell me about why you like this piece oh i just love it <laughs> I just love it so much. This is another, this, I, I definitely, because I've got all my music ready for my funeral. <laughs> um, you know, working, working with brave people, you have to say. So. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just think, just going back to that for a minute, it's just like people are like, oh, you're so morbid and that. And I'm like, no, because I like, you know, I can put it there and then I can put it to bed. I don't have to think about it anymore. It's just uh, ready for Ready and for the time. It's going to happen to all of us eventually. And honestly, having someone with like having already written down the list and said, "This is these are the pieces that I want sung at my funeral," is so great. Yeah, and I think my one of my friends, um, she was a friend, uh, 
her daughter was a friend of my daughter's at St. Joseph's. Yeah. Um, and we were all in like the PTA together and stuff. And she, she died of cancer. Well, what's a while ago now, a few years ago. And her funeral was at the cathedral. Right. And she'd put her whole funeral together herself, including, I mean, it probably was a bit over the top, but she'd even like written her own stuff that she wanted reading out. Oh, wow. Um, And she had like all the music, like everything was just already done. And she'd obviously had quite a lot of time to think about it because she'd had cancer for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, But I just thought how fantastic it was that she was able to do that and she was able to really say what she wanted to say. And And it wasn't even like particularly maudlin. It was just, I'm glad that I've done this. Uh, You know, I really like this music and I want you to all think about this, that and the other. And it was, it was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that, you know, it's, maybe it is a bit of a perfectionist thing again but I just I just don't want people standing around going oh god you know did she like her you know the pipes of pan or did she (laughs) like so because I went one of my friends another one of my friends who died uh, one of my best friends Sue when she her mum died Hmm. um, she was her mum died quite suddenly and her family weren't religious or anything and she she just had like a, a normal cremation and she um and like basically they threw the service together and the bloke was like well you know Jean loved uh, the pipes of pan and this that and the other and of course I sat there you know didn't think anything different and uh, when I was at the wake one of her sons said she fucking hated that Uh. (laughs) I don't know what they said that for she fucking hated that music (laughs) and you just think no you know this is awful yeah you know, just, you know, just take five minutes to think about it. Yeah. Anyway, that's beside the point. So, yeah, I do want this at my funeral, but that's not the only reason. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I just, I just love it. And I just, and I think when I just, when I had the opportunity to choose my music, I didn't want to forget about the choral aspect of my interest and my singing. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and, I just think this piece is, it's just unbelievable and it's so haunting. You know, that soprano, obviously, you know, choir boy part where it just keeps going up and up and up. And it just reminds me of, you know, like soaring birds and I don't know, it's just so lovely. It's like, I just think it's a real fantastic piece of music that's, uplifting and that it's a you know it, it epitomizes to me sort of what choral music's all about yeah and i think through a lot of the tracks that i've thought chosen a lot of a lot i've thought a lot recently about things that have happened like um obviously as you know my father-in-law was the musical director at the cathedral yeah um in the past um and, you know, that sort of intertwined with him and, you know, singing in the cathedral choir and being, you know, going to the cathedral. And, I mean, obviously I've been there a lot since since you've been there as well. But, you know, like back in the day when he used to go into singing the choir and he had all of his little quips and used to make everybody laugh about different bits and pieces, similar to yourself, you know always had a few little entertaining things to say and 
but you know that seriousness of wanting things to be right and yeah. you know that lovely sound and um, in the cathedral and you know that's like really important to me. Thank you, Joe. Uh, thank you for coming on to the podcast and for sharing your musical inspirations. Uh, I hope you've had a lovely time. It's been great. Yeah, it's been really entertaining and <laughs> very. No, it really has. It's been really nice to speak to you. It's been great. Yeah, and you. Okay, guys, please do rate, review, and subscribe. Okay, thank you for listening, and uh, goodbye.